0: Welcome to the Men of Magic, an interview podcast that gets into the lives of your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities, with your hosts, Robert Martin and Chris Otler. And now the Men of Magic begins.
1: Welcome to another episode of Men of Magic, this week with best described as a personality in magic, would be a mild understatement. Just- <laughs> This is this is a person who, along with his partner Joey Pasco, the challenge of making podcasting something that can turn into a larger than just a podcaster. Now part of the Star City Games Live series, a true devoted Legacy fan now, after having no interest in Legacy before. <laughs> Very true. Someone that has more passions than just Magic, as we will talk about tonight on the quote cutting edge. Introducing you, you know him as Big Head Joe.
0: That's right. Uh, and unfortunately, some of you know me by my real name, uh, Joe Panuska, but, uh, forget that. It's just big head Joe. That's all you need to know.
1: Absolutely. Now let's talk about some controversial news that was brought up on my interview with Joey. He Uh-oh. said you got rid of the beard.
0: This is true. Uh, I did get rid of the beard. We, we, we did a, a shoot recently we We're we are entering a film competition, um, doing a, a comedy short. And we're entering it into the Baltimore Sun film contest and the City Paper film contest. The Baltimore Sun one's neat because John Waters will be watching every single one of those, so John Waters will get to see me in all of my bearded glory. But what the, pre- the basic premise, without giving too much away, is that I'm uh, I leave my son on vacation and I need to go find him. So I so we filmed it all backwards. So by the time I'm, by the time I'm in the desert, fully bearded, and then as it went on, you know, we cut it back and cut it back, and beginning, it was completely shaved off. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was for the good of the film. So I did it. I wouldn't jump off a pier for them, literally. They actually wanted me to jump off a pier. I did get in the Atlantic Ocean, probably freezing cold. I actually thought I was going to have a heart attack. When I, cause like, cause I was like, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to death of getting in the ocean. Like, I don't like, I'm, I always think there's going to be a shark, like every time, like just no doubt shark and without a. Without fail. So I go up to the park rangers, I'm like... Water safe, right? No sharks. They're like, you're fine. There were guys surfing all day. I was like, all right, cool. I'm like, literally going like, like maybe 10 feet into the water. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to. There's gonna be sharks. I didn't even care how cold it was. So then I, 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 I'm, I'm like, I'm like, dude, you get one take because it's gonna be freezing, right? So I'm like, so I just start stomping out there. I'm, like, I'm gonna do this. I start stomping out there, and I'm like, all right, a big wave starts coming. I'm like, I'm gonna jump into it. So I jump into the wave, and like right away, like I just got like chest pains and thought I was fainting. <laughs> (laughs) You can actually see, because, like, all he needed was me coming out of the water and running on shore, so me walking out there was inconsequential. But you can see me on the footage, like, kind of dancing around, like, whoa, shake it off, you know, like... That was intense. Really thought I was going to lose it out there, but we got it done. So it was pretty awesome. Uh, shout out to my buddy Lloyd. Lloyd Frias, 2009 Maryland State Champion. He also makes a cameo appearance in the film, and he did a fantastic job, too. No Yin was there. Lloyd's brother Mark was there. So a couple Magic players managed to uh, sneak in as extras, too. So pretty cool.
1: Let's get back to the whole Magic thing.
0: What Magic thing? I thought we were talking about filmmaking.
1: Well, <laughs> see, now that you're going to be a movie star now, too, I mean, what next?
0: Let's- it's not been a movie Movie star Oh, talked about. Oh. My, my background's in theater. No, but, I mean, we've been doing a couple shorts over the last couple of years. I think I've been in, like, one of them never came out. I was in a movie when, uh, back in 2007, feature-length film. It's called Isle of the Damned. I hate to uh, to promote it because I think the guy's a total dickwad.
1: Is this a good B-movie that Tom would like to see from Monday Night Magic?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, I definitely suggested it to him at one point. It is, it's a cannibal movie. It's, it's made, like, a, a 70s Italian cannibal movie, and and I'm the cannibal chief in it. I'm actually on the posters. I'm on the front cover of the movie and everything. It's pretty wicked. And the weirdest thing about that whole situation was that when we were filming, I had, like, a giant abscess on my face from, like, a from a wisdom tooth that had abscessed. So, like, I was in a lot of pain. <laughs> she almost died from that. Uh, that's a story for another day, I guess. So, anyway. Let's go back to...
1: Uh, i got a lot show. to
0: say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go back to the whole Yoan TG Taps thing. Joey talked about how it came together. How does it feel to, I, I'm not saying that Joey doesn't have a lot of personality, but you are like, if it's Madden and Summerall, you're the John Madden of the podcast.
0: I am, too, because I won't fly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the other thing I wanted to ask.
0: I take the bus everywhere, so uh, I'm taking the bus to Orlando in a couple weeks. Yeah, so I am i am literally the John Madden of our podcast in more ways than one.
1: Why is it the fear of flights?
0: Uh, it's not really a fear so much as it is I, like, really don't like it. I mean, sure, there's fear. The most... The fear mostly stems from takeoff. I don't care about landing. I don't care about actually even being in the air going where we're going. But I really hate takeoff. It's really stressful for me. And also, mainly because you have to turn off electronic devices. Like, if I could listen to music while we were taking off, it'd be fine. But i have to just sit there and, like, wait to die. Like, I'd rather not do that. And the thing is, I mean, I've flown plenty. But the thing is, I'm on the ground now. I'm good. Like, I'm here. I'm on the ground. I'm going to stay on the ground. Like... I, I'm, I'm here. I'm good. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I'm chilling on the ground. It's all good.
1: Got to ask you real quick. Yeah. What is it like going on these epic 20-hour bus rides?
0: Oh, it's so much fun. 20 hours, that's for wusses, man. My one from Dallas back to Baltimore was 36 hours.
1: What do you do for 36 hours on a bus?
0: I read, I sleep. (laughs) This is reminding me of a Mr. Show skit. It's the Hail Satan Network. Kid in a wheelchair, they wheel him out, it's David Cross. And it's like, well, what's wrong with you, Jimmy? He's like, the doctor says I'm lazy. (laughs) It's like, well, what do you like to do? I eat, I sleep, I take a bath, I watch pornographies. No, but anyway... I just love that. Read. Having the phone with the internet is pretty sweet. Like, the future is pretty awesome. So I can sit there and like, like on the way to Memphis, I literally just sat there and read like, Star City articles, you know what I mean, on my phone. And the beauty of that was from from uh from Charlottesville, Virginia all the way to Memphis. We had one of those souped-up Greyhounds with the plugs and the Wi-Fi. Ooh. So I was chilling on that ride. Didn't get one of those buses the entire 36-hour ride back, but uh whatever, what can you do?
1: Well, that seems to be the future of it. I mean, if you're going to make bus travel tolerable for people nowadays who have electronics, you got to provide them Service and that would be one of them, but you have managed to do this. The the podcast, obviously, you've managed to get it hooked on to Star City Games and be the podcast for Star City Games. Also, now you're doing the Star City Games live series. How how is that, and how has that gone for you?
0: It's it's great. Now, I mean, I've had. I mean, I've, I've honestly, it's been a little difficult for me because I'm not the most you know, tournament-level player. I'm not the best player in the world. In fact, my rating right now is 1739, which I think is the best it has ever been. (laughs) Like, when Alara Reborn was released, at that pre-release, my rating was 1444. Oof. Yeah. And in a couple years, I've turned it around almost 300 points, which is... uh which is pretty awesome. But, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I was the consummate casual player for, like, 15 years. You know, from, like, 1995, whenever the hell we started playing, when Ice Age came out, like, all the way till, like, around Zendikar was when I finally started to be like, hey, you know, sort of paying attention to my rating. I was like, ooh, my rating's pretty bad, huh? You know, and I, then I realized I could just max points every I played, and so I did. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's been all right. I mean, I don't have many, like, storied you know, finishes in tournaments or anything like that worth talking about. So, you know, I have to bring something else to the table other than that. Uh Which I think I do, you know, alright. You know what I mean?
1: No, but I'm not... Ignore the trolls. Ignore the trolls. Oh, no, man.
0: Oh, uh, Man, that's all we know how to do. I mean, we're so good at ignoring, or acknowledging them when they're our buddy Noyan, because my homeboy Noyan is, like, the biggest troll that we have, but he's hilarious, he's awesome. Like, he's lending me an underground C, and I think we're going down to Legacy Open in Glen Burnie, Maryland, Saturday, uh, together. So, you know, obviously he's not a, a negative troll, but he definitely trolls the hell out of us uh, while we're broadcasting, and uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs>
1: You bring personality to the Star City live event. One of the biggest problems is, is sometimes you have two people that are very knowledgeable on magic. The fun tends to disappear, and it turns into sure. nothing more than a magical debate.
0: Sure, sure. And see, I mean, like, and that's the thing I struggle with, because, you know, I, as you may have already noticed in the first, like, ten minutes of us recording, I have a habit of going on long, uh, uh irrelevant tangents, and it's something that, like, they don't really want me to do. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I will be doing any more opens after Orlando, but we'll see. I'm not on the schedule for the first half of the of the season without without spoiling too much. Not I'm not on the first half of the season. I might be on the second half. They haven't given us that schedule yet, so I don't <laughs> know. But it's it's pretty obvious to to most people, I think, after um Fort Worth. Yeah. That that, like, in order for for me to be effective as a commentator, I need to be partnered with someone I have an existing chemistry with, like Pasco or 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 other a couple other people perhaps. But um, you know what I mean? Like I think, like I think that in the future, if they're gonna pair me up with someone, they're gonna pair me up with Joey because they I was supposed to be. In uh, Charlotte with uh, with JVL, after Fort Worth, they took me off that schedule and put Fabiano in, which I think is an awesome choice because he's hilarious and oh. uh, he's, he's fantastic. But, I mean, it was just – it was – Fort Worth was tough for me. Fort you're, Worth was really tough for me.
1: You're going to love Fabiano. When he was at Grand Prix Dallas, he did a game show that he recorded with, like, seven of us that's Everybody's a Winner. And it's, it's just asking questions questions about himself. And if you get them right, you have a chance to win a prize at the end, which is four cards that are available for you to pick from. Let's make a deal. You have to pick one, two, three, or four. If the guy who won ended up winning an MTG mom sticker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, we had him in the booth in, I think it was in D.C., right? It was When he was spending a lot of, he was at the, sh- the tournament. I'm pretty sure it was D.C. Yeah. Uh, we had him in the booth, and we just couldn't get enough of the guy. You know what I mean? And we were just like, please come back. Please talk to us some more. You were hilarious. So kudos to Star City for finding an awesome replacement for me.
1: Which is absolutely true about anything. It, you could have easily decided to be the lead, and Joey could have decided to be Color Commentary.
0: Well, what's funny is those roles kind of developed naturally between me and Joey. Yeah. Uh, you know, like as the show went on, I'm sure we both over 60 some episodes, I'm sure we both have played that role from time to time, but yeah. we've kind of settled into our roles at this point. And I think it's a really good, we have a good, I hate to say formula because it makes it sound repetitive and boring, but with that said, we have a good formula. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. It's too
1: bad nobody ever listens to your podcast or anything like that. No, no. I know.
0: I know it's it's a shame. I know. Uh, it's such a such a waste of of oxygen Ugh. to be you know talking about such awesome stuff and then nobody ever hears it. Well, uh, it's like yelling into a box and then closing the box.
1: Well, speaking of awesome stuff, and everybody else this week has has ran into the somebody decided to drop the whole spoiler bomb on us all. Yeah. Your your thoughts on the whole spoiler being ruined. I'll phrase it that way because one of the things I really enjoyed was and I was
0: spoiler for a reason. Yeah,
1: I loved it when Evan would say, I have my card. I'm gonna preview it this week on the Magic Show. And then right. you would wait and the show would start and he would go through his little opening montage and all suddenly, let me tell you about the card I got this time. Boom. And it was right there. Free
0: dude. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Man, a nation. When they do it, when Trick does it, and, and all those places that would get those cards, they would spend so much time on getting the promo of the card right, how to explain the card right, to give maximum ability to it, even if the card was bad. Right. Because okay? not everybody gets the bomb. Due to you, when you saw that list.
0: Um, car crash syndrome. Car crash syndrome. It's like it's 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 terrible, but you can't look away. As as a podcaster, as someone who is supposed to to you know cover the news that's going on in the magic community, you know, we would have been stupid to not talk about the spoiler on this Friday's episode, Spoilers but uh, it's it's like it's it's sad, you know what I mean? like it's really unfortunate that like you know Adam staborsky's exclusive preview card is now spoiled. you know, we don't know which one he got. Yeah, You know what I mean? But his card's spoiled, Flores' card's spoiled, all the small sites are spoiled, and I know I made a kind of snarky comment on Twitter a couple days ago, said, I don't care, they never gave us an exclusive spoiler anyway, how big do we got to get? You know, but like...
1: (laughs) No, but you're looking at it this way, and this is where I will go to defend you guys, is the fact that such a large audience, you're on Star City Games' website, another website, you're on that website and you have a large audience, you would think that they would want to tap into that audience.
0: Right. Well, yeah, you would think so. I don't know. I mean, like, I think the last time, like, we were – no, we've been on there for a while. We've been there for about a year now, haven't we? Yes, wow. you have. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's all good. But, like, you know, we, we really were trying. I mean, it's not like we didn't put the effort in. Like, we contacted – like the p r people or whoever it was we needed to contact, you know, we did the work to try to get an exclusive spoiler, but they were just like, "Oh, we don't have any, you know what I mean, like to give you, and it was like, ah, you know this kind of sucks now we have all you know it's not there now nobody has exclusive spoilers, and at least the at least it's all even, <laughs> yeah but, but, but personally from from our podcast standpoint, I guess, but i mean I mean just let me say that me and Joey both. Honestly, hate the fact that the whole set came out for like you know we love spoiler season. We love the slow roll of the cards. You know we love the build up and the excitement. So just having it all wasted, like we said on our podcast on Friday, it's like it's like it's like looking under your parents' bed finding all your Christmas presents and opening them. You know, it's just like.
1: You know what I mean? It would be like,
0: it would be like having, like, it would be like going online right now and finding all of the results of May first wrestling pay-per-view, the Elimination Chamber. You know what I mean? Like, we want the, I wanna see the storylines build. You know? I wanna see the lead up. I wanna see what they have planned. Like, I don't wanna just, like, read a list, hear all the results, good game. You know what I mean? Like, but, but at the same time, You know, as a a heavy trader, you know, as a player, I want that information as soon as possible at the same time. So if it's out, we're going to talk about it, we're going to look at it, because it's there. You know, like, we're not sitting there going, man, I wish they would have, like, if the spoilers weren't out today, we wouldn't be sitting here going, man, I wish they'd have put out all the spoilers already, <laughs> Oh, you know, man, I wish there was some way for us to find them, but since they're there, yeah, we're gonna look, you know, and we didn't talk about every card, and let's face facts, like, by the time our episode comes out tomorrow, um... Every card is already on Star City for pre-sale. So it's not like the whole set isn't spoiled on the site we're hosted on. No. You know what I mean? Like, so, so it's okay, but we only went down like top five lists and some honorable mentions. You know, we didn't talk about the whole, the whole set because uh, that takes a lot of time.
1: You but, mean you decided not to do a limited resources episode for four and a half hours?
0: Oh, but those are so useful though because they talk about each card in the strictly limited sense, which we have no sense of limited. So, uh, we can't really do that as well as them. But those are, those have been some of the most awesome, like, resources that I've had, limited as they may be, before a pre-release.
1: Part of our podcasting community, what do you look for When you listen to podcasts.
0: Honestly, I don't listen to podcasts. And it's nothing to do with the fact that podcasts are bad. Like, when I moved December 1st from my parents' house to here, I didn't have any working internet for a year. And, like, I'm still not used to the fact that I can just access the internet freely and download things, like, rapidly. (laughs) So I don't honestly, like, even think to download podcasts. It's just one of those things that's so weird to me, like, that I don't, that I don't do it. Like, I want to, you know, like, I want to listen to podcasts, but it's just like, I'm always distracted doing other stuff, like watching the same Monty Python's Flying Circus DVDs over and over and over and over again. I just have, I have weird habits like that. But, but yeah, but I mean, like, but when I do listen to podcasts, cause I do, I do listen to podcasts, I like them to be entertaining obviously I like them to have you know relevant content to me like I don't I wouldn't listen to a cube podcast you know what I mean like because I don't play cube even if those guys are the most awesome guys in the world and I know like third power is supposed to be a really cool podcast uh, but I still haven't had a chance to check them out you know, like, I only listen to things that are relevant to what I do. Like, I wanna hear more crazy talk, frankly, but I haven't had a chance to listen to that either. Like, it's all these things I wanna listen to, but I don't think, oh, I can just download that. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I don't think I can just download things. So, I, like, I've only listened to, like, I think half of one episode of Crazy Talk, and, like, that's it. And, I don't know, but, uh, But I like things to be entertaining. Like, I like some of the podcasts that Joey doesn't like. Like I guess I shouldn't say doesn't like but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, like I really like the Mana Pool, you know what I mean? And they and they're just ridiculous. Um, I used to listen to them all the time, even though their episodes are like three hours long and like they hardly talk about magic. Like that used that show just used to entertain me to no end, and I and I loved it. I don't know why, but I, those guys are just great. They're they're you know they're characters, you know, and I think that like. A lot of what I do in podcasting comes from all of the mana pool I used to listen to before we started our own podcast.
1: That's interesting because I don't, I haven't heard anyone refer to them as where their starting point came from. Normally you hear of, oh, I listened to Monday Night Magic or Things like that or other different...
0: I, I listen to Monday Night Magic, too. Manipool, just to me, was like the funniest show out there. It just, just to crack me up so much. I wanted, like, if we were going to do a podcast, I always wanted it to have at least some element of that of that kind of to it.
1: Well, it's funny because those four guys are just, they're just, they're such good friends... And they have such a unique chemistry that it just works. It just seems like the time goes. Like you said, it's two-plus hours. It doesn't right. seem like it's two-plus hours.
0: Right, exactly. Sometimes it does. <laughs> when they when they go, like, like, two hours is fine. When they go to two-plus, you start feeling that two-plus, you know.
1: <laughs> but let's get back to some fun things you like to do. Now, you tweeted about the fact that uh, you were upset that uh, one of your favorite wrestlers had to retire.
0: Yeah, well, Edge, Edge just recently retired and it's a real shame because, I mean, he was one of the top workers, uh, in WWE. Um, you know, he was just, he was the top guy on SmackDown, you know? I mean, like, I mean, it's good for him that he got to retire on top of his game and as the champion. But, um, but there's a huge hole. I mean, and WWE is doing an emergency draft on Raw Monday. It's, you know what I mean? They're just redrafting the whole roster. So everything's going to get sh- uh, shooken up. On, uh, on Monday, which will be exciting, and all the changes will take place May 2nd after the Elimination Chamber pay per view. But, I mean, it was just great to, I mean, I don't know, he was just so good. I mean, I don't know if you ever watched a wrestling like Edge and Christian back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I 12, I mean, Edge is a 12-time tag team champion, um, and the tag team division is all but dead right now in the WWE, and that's a shame, because, I mean, you had such story tag teams like Demolition and The Rockers, and, you know what I mean, like, just so many good tag teams, Legion of Doom, for Christ's sake, you know, and Edge and Christian were right up there with, like, the Hardy Boys, Hardy Boys and and Edge and, uh, Edge and Christian in the ladder match, oh, man, like... 20 foot spear off the top of a ladder. Jeff Hardy's hanging from the belt. 20 feet in the air. And Edge spears him to the mat. I mean, ugh. You know, they're never gonna replace, you're never gonna replace those moments.
1: One of the things, know. one of the thing that makes wrestling really unique is the fact that it's about the personality. As much as it's about your physical skill in ring, if you have the ability to portray someone and make the crowd believe it.
0: Absolutely.
1: That's what makes, that's what makes someone from, I guess you would say, a mid carder to a champion.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you take someone like John Morrison, right? John Morrison is an amazing athlete. You know, he, he, I mean, he, he's, he's actually a parkour. He's trained in parkour. Are you familiar with that?
1: Uh that's the uh style of uh using objects around you to train like such as walls and things like that correct Right
0: like 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 um there's a movie called District B13 uh it's a French film if you ever get a chance watch that movie Netflix it I'm telling you it's, it's guys doing all their own stunts like literally jumping from building to building and like all this insane stuff and that's the stuff that's the training that Morrison comes from And that's incredible. I mean, and you see some of the stuff he does, like in the Royal Rumble, where he, like, (laughs) he gets knocked off the apron. Like, he goes over the top rope, stops on the apron, gets pushed off, clings to the barrier, like, hangs on, climbs on top, jumps onto the steps, and gets back into the ring. One of the most awesome things I've seen in a Royal Rumble. But you hand him a microphone, and he's garbage. (laughs) He's garbage. The (laughs) guy cannot speak. (laughs) But hey, our truth yeah. you need to stop smoking, you know what I mean, it's like, oh, shut up, you know, like, he needs to go to SmackDown so bad, because SmackDown is more about wrestling, I know that WWE hates wrestling now but it's so much more about the matches than it is about the talking or the actual storylines where raw is way more storyline driven. And I think Morrison would serve himself well to be drafted to SmackDown where he can just perform and not have to speak because if the guy opens his mouth, he's garbage.
1: But you also have to think of it this way too. A lot of times we can bring this back to magic. A lot of people in magic have fabulous personalities. Patrick tapin for one, he could talk, he could talk all day and, you wouldn't lose interest in what the man's saying but there are some people in magic that they struggle to speak and when they struggle to speak it's hard to market yourself
0: right yeah no for sure i mean like you could call pat chapin the uh you could call pat chapin the cm punk of, uh, of magic, because he's great <laughs> on the mic, and he's great in the ring. You know? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm like the John Cena of magic. I don't mean to put myself on that high of a pedestal, but it's just a comparison in terms of like, you know, great on the mic, very little in-ring ability. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, I was
1: gonna, I was gonna say, half the people love you and half the people hate you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there you go. Too, there you go, man. If you've seen some of the, uh, you haven't read the surveys. Uh, from the the surveys from the SCG opens. Um, we get to see all of that, all those responses Like yeah. anyone who fills out those uh, surveys. We don't see your name, but we do get to see everything everyone writes about us. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, no, I'm yeah, okay. I guess I guess in terms of half the people like me, half the people hate me. I'm definitely the John Cena of magic. Yeah,
1: there <laughs> you go. See, bring it all together.
0: There, there are some people who are like, Big Head Joe's the best commentator you guys have, and all this stuff. Um, I actually got a, I actually got a a a. a a message on Facebook from a well known pro player who I'm gonna leave unnamed. Yes who said I was his absolute favorite commentator that they have. Uh but then the but then there are a good number of comments that are like Big Head Joe is terrible. I don't see what he brings to this broadcast. Like you need to get him out of there as soon as possible and like all this stuff. And I love it. I eat it all up. You know what I mean? Like I don't care. Like I just do me. And if that's good for you, cool. If it's not, move on. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I make no apologies, uh, for, for myself, you know?
1: If you're not who you are when you're doing what you're doing, it's gonna show. And people are gonna eat right through it. And that's gonna make it worse than it would be if you tried to be something different.
0: And that, and I, and I think that's where I struggled in Fort Worth. You know? Because I really felt like I was having to adapt to a different style that I wasn't used to. You know what I mean? Well, it would be like, it would be like, uh, you know, uh take in like the big show and be like, Okay, you know, you're really awesome in the ring, uh here's a tennis racket, go play against Maria Sharpova. You know what I mean? Like it's not gonna happen. He's gonna go, uh, this sucks. Like you know what I mean? Like
1: I was gonna say, otherwise he's gonna hit the ball really hard and might kill her, but you know
0: <laughs> if if he ever can catch up to the ball.
1: <laughs> True. True. But all he needs is one hit and she could become a pancake
0: on the floor. Well, that's true, but it isn't wrestling. <laughs> now, if you put Maria Sharapova in the wrestling ring, it said, "Okay, you're great at tennis. Go battle the big show." Actually, this all reminds me of a Mitch Hedberg uh, joke. Um, he was like, "Yeah, you're a great cook. Can you farm?" <laughs> he was talking about like. He was talking about, like, you know, he's a comedian. He's a stand-up comic. That's what he does. And then, like, they're like, can you write on this? Can you write this show? Can you act in this thing? It's like I've been working my ass off to do this thing, and then you guys just want me to do all this other stuff, you know? It's like, you know, you've been a really good cook all your life. Well, can you farm, you know? Like, I don't know. But uh, I thought that was a – I just think that's a really funny uh, funny joke and kind of a close comparison.
1: You're also a sports fan, noticing why you have – a fantasy baseball league that we're running.
0: Yeah, uh, you did edge me out, uh, week one, and that's fine. That's fine. Uh, you know, I'll get you in the rematch. It's all good. Um, but, uh.
1: <laughs> that's cause I have eight guys on the DL on my team, but that's okay.
0: You yeah, know. you, yeah, you had like two guys starting in your, like, like on the DL in your starting lineup all week and you still beat me. I was so pissed about that. All but right. uh, anyway, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. I'm a fan of like, Competition, You know what I mean? Like, if there are two teams competing or two people competing, you know, real or scripted in the terms of wrestling, you know, like, I, I love it and I want to cheer for somebody. You know, I like soccer. I wish I knew about cricket because I would watch cricket. Like, I'm that big of a geek one thing that Joey and myself have learned from editing our podcast that I'm really hard to edit because I kind of scramble all my words together and just talk really fast. And sometimes just like to go and just like keep going. I don't know. It's weird. Um, yeah, no, seriously. Like I, I would watch cricket. Like I would watch anything. Like I just love competition. I love, you know, cheering for somebody. I just love, like, you know, I love games, you know, I love sports. That's why I like baseball so much. Like, so many people hate baseball, and I understand. I really do. Like, I like baseball for all of the reasons people hate it. It's slow. It's methodical. The season's really, really long and drawn out. Bring it on. Seriously. Like, I wish the baseball season would be expanded to 180 games and go through December. Like, no doubt. Like, I would love that. Like, I mean... I just love the fact that, like, baseball is such a weird dichotomy. It's like every pitch means so much, yet every game ultimately means nothing in the grand scheme of things. You know, and I just love that, like, tension in, in baseball. And I, I just love it. It's a game to me. There's so much strategy involved in every single pitch, like, Lots of psychological games and like things, just all these like little games going on within the game.
1: Absolutely. Now, you also you talked about Monty Python. <laughs> you also like Doctor Who.
0: I am the biggest. I, I'm probably an Anglophile. I don't know what it is. Like all of my like the the music I like most of it's like a European or British, you know. Um, comedy. British. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's so weird. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm, a, I'm the biggest sketch comedy junkie that maybe that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I have a 16, I have the whole series of Monty Python's Flying Circus that I've watched multiple times, 16 discs. Um, and I'll just watch the same disc like three or four times in a day.
1: You'll catch stuff that you may not have seen before. A little bit, a little detail, something on the corner of your eye that when you watch something, you hit the stop button and go, oh, pause button and go, wait, rewind it. Play there's it. always
0: something. There's always something. And like, I mean, just so many of those things, like some of those skits just have so much going on and there's just, it's just chaotic and awesome. And it's just amazing to me that people actually wrote that and that it exists. Like, I can't imagine. Like, I don't know. Like, the newest one that I'm on right now is this uh, British show called That Mitchell and Web Look. It's on Netflix, Instant Watch, for those of you who have Instant Watch. Um, I, think the, I think three seasons are up. Watch Season 1, Episode 1. Um, it's just amazing. Angel Summoner and BMX Bandit, they're a crime-fighting duo. And, like, EMX Bandit's like, okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'll run up and pop a wheelie, putting dirt in their eyes, and then I'll do, then I'll spin my wheels and distract them while you save the girl. And Angel Summoner's like, or I could just summon a horde of angels. And it's just, I don't know, it's just <laughs> really funny. But some of my favorites of all time are The State, Mr. Show, um, obviously Monty Python. Uh, Mitchell and Webb Look is, like, right up there with some of the best. Um, Wonder Shows in, that show is just disturbing and hilarious. I know I'm forgetting some. Uh A bit a bit of Fry and Laurie with Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie uh, from the late eighties. Uh, that's a really great show. Um, just great like literary kind of uh kind of comedy. Like very wordy you know what I mean? Very British. You, you <laughs> need
1: know. to turn back your way back machine and get some Benny Hill episodes.
0: Oh yeah, Benny Hill's pretty good too. I've seen some Benny Hill, but not, not a ton, but some of that's good.
1: Yes. You're also now a trader. You're actually becoming John Medina-ish with your trading now as far as going out there, going to tournaments, actively trading and being successful at it. Yeah. What, what inspired you to do this? To become as successful as you have been at it,
0: being broke. Ah, that's the only thing. (laughs) (laughs) I I literally, when I when we first started the podcast, episode one of YoMTG Taps, when we first started that podcast, um, I had just sold almost everything I owned just to pay rent. Um, I was making about, and for about six months, I was making about $40 a week. And I started to realize that, you know, I needed another source of income, (laughs) naturally, uh, because you can't live off of $40 a week that well as a smoker on top of all of that. So I decided that uh, I started realizing, you know, man, I really need to figure out something else to do for money started realizing the opportunities that were in selling cards to like online vendors and things like that. Just kind of, you know, looked at Medina's stuff. Medina's a huge inspiration to me as, as far as like, uh, as far as trading goes. In fact, I mean, I owe, I owe everything to John Medina. You know, he's really, he's really shown me the way, shown me the light. And I've just, you know, had to do that. And like, literally I haven't, I mean, counting like SCG live checks, podcast checks, and like, Card sales. I don't think I've paid my rent with like actual job money in like three months.
1: Well, that right there can show the power of what trading can do, and if you do it well. Now you're doing it to make an advantage. You're not doing it to like rob people blind.
0: No, no, no. Of course not. I mean, and and the funny thing is, like, you know, a lot of people. And I and I tr- and honestly I try to get more subjective values out of people more now than I used to. But I am very like, committed to the SCG prices. So, like, if someone asks me, what is this card worth? I will tell them the exact current SCG price. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to, like, stiff people. But the main difference is, and the key, I think, to this whole thing, is that I have the buy list prices in my head, too. You know what I mean? So there could be two cards that are 25 bucks a piece, swap them one for one, one of them they're buying at 12 bucks. one of them they're buying at 16 You know what I mean? You just do that a hundred times.
1: But how difficult is that to have that? Because now that you're expanding in the legacy, you know, you're not doing just standard now, that you're taking on the challenge of, you know, basically the gamut of cards. To have yeah. that buy list running in your head has got to be difficult because you think of, I mean, just think of the sure volume of cards that are sold in legacy now because it's become such a popular format thanks to SCG Live.
0: hmm. How do you do it? I don't really that much. Mostly when I'm trading for legacy cards, I'm trading for my own personal use. Occasionally there will be cards that I'll pick up because I think that they'll, uh, they'll spike. You know what I mean? I, they're cards that if I suspect they might spike in value. Like, best trade I made the entire trip, uh, between Memphis and Fort Worth, right? I was in Memphis. And I traded a Jace the Mind Sculptor for two pretty heavily played Force of Wills. And at the time, Force of Will was 60 bucks and Jace was 110. So I even, I almost valued his forces even though they were pretty white around the edges. I almost valued them at full SCG value and valued my Jace at 110 where it was on SCG at that time. Since then, that card has dropped to 90 and the forces have jumped to 80.
1: That's the one thing that you really have to learn when it comes to trading is to know what cards are going to move in what directions. Considering with the reprint of the Titans in M12, yeah, when does the value of the Titans start declining enough that you can pick them up cheap to be able to re- trade them or sell them for more profit?
0: Um, I don't think that there will be much profit in the Titans once they're reprinted. Uh Same goes for Gideon. Um, because, I mean, we saw what happened with Baneslayer. Baneslayer had about the same price point as the best Titans at their best point. You know what I mean? And once it was reprinted, I mean, Baneslayer's like, what, 10 bucks right now?
1: Yeah, Baneslayer is $10. Baneslayer
0: also saw a lot less play due to the Titans, so that affected the price as well. But I don't see any of the Titans cracking 20 bucks, you know, once they're reprinted. same goes for Gideon. Of course, I am so checked out of Standard right now. Like, I have, I have, the only deck I have right now for Standard is the Kuldotha Red event deck.
1: Wow, what do you play?
0: Uh, I mean, I hardly ever play Standard anymore. I no, play
1: you play Legacy. What is your Legacy deck?
0: Um, right now, I have Merfolk 100 percent built, and um, I am very close to Team America. I'm only missing one underground sea. Um, I actually just picked up a second Bayou uh, today um, on SCG, um, but I'm not picking that up till um, till Orlando. Uh, but I'm not, I don't even know if I'm going to run it in the deck. I just grabbed it because then I'll have another Bayou. But I need, I need an underground sea right now. I need like a couple more fetches. I'm getting another polluted delta tonight from my buddy Noian. I'm actually gonna run, I think I'm only gonna run two polluted deltas and go with four misty rainforests instead because they all search up the, uh, the same lands. Um, and they're a little cheaper. Uh, so I'm probably just going to do that and cheat it for a little while. I do eventually want some Pluto Deltas in case I decided to switch gears and play a different deck or splash black in uh, in Merfolk for whatever weird reason, although after talking to Bert and Cheney about the deck extensively, I don't think I ever would. Um,
1: <laughs> Isn't it nice to be able to go to those guys that literally, thanks to the SCG live tour, have turned themselves into household names?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, no, I'm, uh, Bert and Cheney traded to be one of my wastelands for Merfolk. That is <laughs> so awesome. I was like, come on man, you know I'm building your deck, you gotta hook me up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so he totally did, and it was sweet. Yeah, no, it's really, it's wild having a resource like that. You know what I mean? Just have, being able to like pick those guys' brains almost at will, and, and talk to them about their decks and stuff. Went through a flurry of, of Facebook ads last night, I added like a whole bunch of like, Cool people,
1: <laughs> like like Laskin,
0: Maryland native by the way, Louis Laskin, Bethesda, Maryland native. Uh, respect to that. Always down with the uh, with the East Coast crew. It, it's it's really cool to be able to like see. Not only that, but it's really cool to be forced to watch Magic all day. You know, to watch Legacy all day. Um, That's gotta at hurt. Those tournaments. That's gotta hurt. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Most beautiful thing ever. <laughs>
1: What is the – because, like I said, when you first got into it, you had no interest in Legacy at all. I mean, you guys never even talked about it on the show.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. And, like, we would skim over the results, and we would just didn't really care. Uh, you know, like, now, like, it's just – after, like, watching so much of it and just seeing the format, like, you know, we were basically forced to learn a format that we, you know, at at one point did not have any interest in learning. And after watching, and just, we had to hold them up side by side. We had to hold Standard and Legacy up side by side. And Joey still loves Standard, you know, but I just feel like the format is so stale. And I'm not talking about, right now, I'm not talking about Jace. I'm not talking about Stoneforge Mystic. I'm not talking about Callblade. I'm not talking about any of that. All I'm talking about is just the fact that, like, you have this, like, very small metagame and it's just like when you like hold that metagame up against Legacy's metagame, it's like there's almost no contest in terms of like excitement and diversity. It's just it's the it's like a big boy format, man. Like it's just so awesome. It's so much fun to like see which decks are going to wind up rising to the top any particular week. Like any given week, if there was a okay, if there was a Magic tournament tomorrow, right? Standard tournament, yes, right what would the top eight look like? You can picture it in your head. You don't need to name it. Yeah, but you sorry. can picture it. Exactly what it's gonna look like in your head, right? Yes. What do you think the legacy top eight would look like tomorrow? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, there are so many decks, there are so many possibilities, that you never know from week to week what's gonna to rise to the top. And it's just so exciting to see it, to see it flesh itself out every week. It's a constant, I mean, of course you have good decks. You have a tier one, you have tier one decks, but you have like 30 of them. You know what I mean? You have so many of them. You never know what people are going to be packing. You never know how many, how many dredge decks are going to show up one week. Like, I actually, uh, when is this going to post?
1: Probably, uh, either, fr- uh, what is it, Thursday? Uh, yeah. Probably Friday or Saturday.
0: Okay, well, I don't want to talk about what I have in my sideboard because so I'm playing in a tournament Saturday. In my Team America deck, you know, I've got my sideboard set up a certain way, expecting to see certain decks based on like our area. I could be right, I could be wrong, but like that's the excitement and the fun of it, you know? Like, just there's, there's so much to pre- like you can't prepare for everything, but there aren't any, there isn't anything going on where it's just. So resilient that no matter how much you prepare for it, you still might be cold to it like it's just it's just so it's so exciting to me it's it's just so exciting to be able to play with these old cards and to i mean and they're not even all old cards i mean I've rocking tomb stalkers man that's future sight that's like a three year old card it's like a staple you know
1: speaking of cards that are going to be a staple in your decks how did the new set how did the new release affect what you're playing in legacy now with some of those cards that Really can alter how you play your decks.
0: Uh, well, right now, um, I mean, right now, it's irrelevant. I think I might want to give, uh, I, like, I don't, I don't know, like, I've, I've been testing Phyrexian Dreadnought right now in, um, in Team America with Stifles and an extra Trick Bind in there for good measure. Hmm. I, it's, it's iffy to me. But I almost want to play it because I don't know how viable it'll be once Mental Misstep comes out. (laughs) It could be so cold, to Mental Misstep, that, like, that Dreadnought might not be relevant. And, like, I'm almost like, do I put them in my binder? Do I try to trade them off this weekend? Or, like, or what, you know? Like, if I could use them towards other good stuff, you know? I mean, there's certainly plenty of Legacy cards to be had, you know, that are worthwhile. But, like, I almost want to give the card one last day in the sun, you know? Like.
1: Before it sails away and goes bye-bye?
0: It seems like a really risky choice once that card is legal. You know? <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, that card is, is, is insane. Like, I, I love that. I love the fact that, like, everyone is, like, immediately, uh, latching onto that card, you know? It's a very strong card.
1: Well, Chapin said it's simple. You're, it gives the opportunity for every deck that doesn't play blue to have the ability to stop every one counter, one casting cost spell. And when he rattled off his list off the top of his head, I was impressed. I read an article from Paulo this week. He just rattled off a list of things off the top of his head that didn't match Chapin's list. So you think that's probably 25 cards that are staples in the format, and that's just off the top of their heads.
0: Right. I and, and and you're talking about non-blue decks, yes. you know? Burton Cheney was like, bye-bye spell Pierce, hello four copies of misstep in my Merfolk deck. You know what I mean? Like he's going straight for him in mono blue.
1: Well, I, I am the one of the he's one of the people that I I'm going to get on the show soon uh, is him because you need to. I had so much fun with him at Dallas Fort Worth.
0: He's such a great guy, isn't he?
1: Yes. My question is this. You've gotten the deal with all the personalities there, from Jerry to A.J. to Calcano to um, Laskin to the, the, the Bertuccini, to Spagnolo. The list goes on and on and on.
0: Michael Posgay.
1: Michael Posgay. Oh, boy.
0: Michael Posgay, very cool guy. Loved that kid. He's a very awesome dude.
1: What did you feel? What was your personal gut reaction to what happened when he got suspended?
0: Don't like it. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened. You know, I... I give the kid the benefit of the doubt, for sure, you know. I feel like, did you hear his interview that he did? Yeah, yeah, yes, I did.
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I did hear his interview. Okay. And it was interesting. I understood his side of the story. But it's difficult because anytime time any sort of slash suspension gets in the way, it gets ugly. And it's tough because you don't want to have, when Sato got suspended, you know, everybody thought, oh, this was going to be trouble for magic. But it seems like magic just kind of shrugged it off and moved forward.
0: Oh, of course. Absolutely. There's nothing you can do but shrug it off and move forward. There are so many things that happen that, like, the Internet explodes about on a week-to-week basis uh, that are the death knell of magic. And, like, you know... It's not. None of it is. None of it ever will be. Get over it. You know. But the thing is, this is this is the thing that I thought was really revealing about Posge's interview. I felt like Posge, without really trying, revealed a side of the tournament scene that most. You know. F and M players, you know, or just like occasional PTQers, do not see. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, but the problem is, is people need to know that because the turn, the difference between being a tournament player and being your F and M slash, you know, local expert is night and day. There is no, and and then you figure the difference between being playing a GP and playing a pro tour event is another step up.
0: Right, absolutely. With a
1: whole different sets of best it, not etiquette, but how people play with each other.
0: You have to understand that, you know, on the pro tour, most of those guys already have each other's email addresses. Think about that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, I just felt like, I just felt like it was a really insightful interview. I know a lot of people had beef with it, including my roommate. Felt like he came off as like privileged thinking he deserved whatever more than the other kid. I thought it was really revealing that like it's a lot more of a common practice than than people let on. He was just the one who get an outsider into it. You know what I mean? Like oh. does that makes
1: sense. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. I understand that. And there's lots of things and no matter what event you're in, what level of higher level competition there's always little handshakes and thank yous and things that happen. I mean, you look at baseball, for example. I mean, how many years did reporters go in the locker room and stare at this giant bottle of green amphetamines and go, "Ah, oh, that's okay. It's just making them play a little better or wake up a little earlier or function a little better. That's not a big deal. But yet the side effects of the steroids and the amphetamines have screwed up people for years beyond that but the reporter's kind of just went well me you know it's there
0: right and and so i i don't know but like i mean i don't want to i don't want uh, to uh to hang on this Posca issue for too long yeah but like um but i mean my, my my point is i give the kid the benefit of the doubt it's unfortunate what happened to him with that said given the circumstances i think that you know the judge And the DCI must have done the right thing. I don't think there was much else they could have done in that situation. You know what I mean? I think that, I think that they acted appropriately, but it's unfortunate to see someone, to see anyone really get suspended over, you know, something that might be a little more of a common practice than, than the DCI would like to, it to be publicly known. You know,
1: there, but we've talked about this just a little bit ago. I mean, everything has their little secrets that they don't want to talk about, but that's what the judges are there for. You know, I mean, they have to keep, they have to keep the order because if you had, it's a lot like the NBA, there have been numerous times where referees in the NBA have been considered quote, in the pocket of the league have been told to quote, they were told to make teams win. Well, once your sport loses credibility because they think the people that are in charge of it, the ones that are running it, the judges or the referees or whoever, are doing are being told what to do instead of following the rules, then it loses all credibility. Absolutely. And and after talking to numerous judges, they want to follow the rules to the absolute T. After talking to Ricky Hayashi and I've talked to now Kali Anderson and when I was in Dallas Fort Worth, to talk to numerous judges.
0: Ricky, well, I, by the way, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Ricky, by the way, does an incredible impersonation of The Rock. Really? He sure does.
1: Can he do the eyebrow?
0: I'm pretty. I'm almost certain he did. Yeah, I'm almost certain he did the eyebrow. Awesome, awesome impersonation. Uh, it was late night, I think. Late night at, at Memphis and, and he busted it out for me so it was pretty good.
1: Oh, now see those are things that are never caught on camera and the stories that you can tell like that that people can really get a good laugh out of. There were so many things that happened at Dallas Fort Worth when you just, you sit at the table and just that They'll talk about things, and you'll hear different comments they'll make to each other. It's you wish you could have the recorder. That recorder had me. I wish I could have it recording all the time just so these people could hear what's going on. Yeah. Because when you're like there, you get to experience all that. You get to experience what they're saying, how they're feeling, what's going on, and that's stuff that, that doesn't ever get translated to the people watching at home.
0: And I think that's why our episode of Nationals coverage from last year was, was so awesome, you know, not blowing smoke. I don't have to blow smoke. I know that it was so awesome because <laughs> we, I mean, we had just Flores and Chapin just talking to each other for, like, an hour. You know what I mean? Like, like one in the morning, just just going back and forth about anything, and it was just the, like, it was gold, like it was something we could never repeat, something we absolutely could never repeat and and it was just so cool, and then plus like getting there like just just hitting record on the on the recorder while they were play testing and then just like and just listening to them talk about their play testing and things like that was just really unique and fun um i just i mean I feel like that so far was our crowning achievement in terms of, like, every episode we've done. I think that was, like, the most incredible thing that we've we've managed to pull off, was that episode.
1: Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about Mike Flores. How much the power of Mike Flores. Yeah. How do I best phrase it this way? Mike Flores is the ultimate marketing machine. He can make, he can touch stuff, and it can become viral, literally.
0: <laughs> I mean, Mike Mike Flores is the reason why we do a weekly podcast.
1: Right there alone. Joey brought that up, too, about the fact how he commented about the fact that he listened to you guys.
0: Yeah. He was like, where's the next episode? Because we were kind of sporadically releasing them. Yes. And he was like, he got in touch with us. Like, where's the next episode? We're like, oh, my God, Mike Flores just asked us where the next episode is. Like, Mike Flores is, like, my favorite deck builder of all time and, like, favorite magic personality of all time, too, frankly. Let me ask you this question.
1: I brought this up. I've brought this up before to other people. Magic, the Hall of Fame of Magic is strictly a, you have to put up the numbers. Right. And I understand that's what they want to stand for. Sure. But Magic is more than just Kai's amazing win streak. And Brian Kibler, the fact that he retired and came back and was as dominant as he was before. Right. There's also personalities of Magic. Patrick Chapin is a personality of Magic.
0: Patrick Chapin and Mike Flores should both be in the Hall of Fame.
1: You're answering my question right there.
0: Patrick Chapin and Mike Flores should both, without a doubt in my mind, both of those men deserve a spot in the Magic Hall of Fame. No question. There's no question.
1: Then I'm also going to put you on the spot for this one, too. They don't do anything about the people that announce Magic. Sure. I Hagan.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, if, if the WWE can put Drew Carey in their Hall of Fame, then we can certainly, we certainly have room for someone like a BDM or a Rich Hagan.
1: Well, I any? won't I won't compare those two to Drew Carey. I would compare them more to uh, a Jim Ross and a uh, Jerry Lawler. How about that? No doubt. The people that well, are the voices.
0: Let's go back even further. Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heino.
1: Ah, Yes. The people that, without their voices and without the voices of magic, I think you're missing out on a large part of the history of magic. Because I I have yet to get uh, BDM on, and I intend to do that, that, but his schedule is so incredibly busy. He has so much knowledge of magic that it just, like, oozes out of him. Mm -hmm. He knows probably more magic in his hand than I do in my entire mind of magic. You know, he's probably forgotten more than I've known
0: hes spent he, he's had more shower time than you 've had ring time
1: absolutely absolutely, and that's the beautiful thing about that and thing that twenty years from now or thirty years from now, when people are playing magic, they should be able to go back and say, "Oh, he is the historian of magic, he knows all about this, and really what it you know what were what were people thinking back then, and then you could pull up an old an old, an old video. <laughs> Use the example of the Brad Nelson, uh Matteo match. Yeah. And sit there and go, that's what they thought back then. Right. And you could put the name to the face, and I, and I really think Magic should do that. Will they ever do that? I doubt it. I really doubt oh, it. Oh,
0: sure they eventually. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like as coverage expands and becomes a more you know, like just as important a part of the game as the actual games in terms of the history, um, I'm sure they'll have to eventually acknowledge those people uh, in the Hall of Fame uh, like they deserve to be acknowledged.
1: Okay, then then if we're going to do that and we're going to acknowledge people who innovated in Magic, who, outside of the Wizards coverage, you're going to have to put a gentleman by the name of Rashad Miller in that group, too. Yeah. Because without Gigi's Live... There'd be no SCG Live.
0: Right. Oh, absolutely. Without, without Rashad, yeah, I don't know what the heck we would do. <laughs> you know? He's, you know, he's the guy. He, I mean, like, uh, I was there! I was there when he came up with the split screen, man. I was there when he went, oh man, I can do that? Sweet! <laughs> and like, and that has totally changed, uh, changed the entire SCG Live broadcast, frankly. You know
1: he, he has taken such risks because the ability of, it goes hand in hand. You have the power of SCG games, putting them out there saying we're running a series, but without the ability of putting it out there on the Internet to be able to have that person that goes, well, maybe I don't want to go to the event, but you know what? If I do really, really well, I might get on coverage. I might be seen on TV or on the Internet. And that's a powerful draw for people. Sure. I mean, think of how much FaceTime Jerry T has this year. Has there been anyone that's had any pro that has had more FaceTime than Jerry Thompson has this year?
0: No, absolutely okay. not.
1: Then I will ask you a question I'm going to ask tonight on the podcast that I'll put you on the spot for. Jerry T is doing something in Star City games lore that's without question beyond remarkable. Right. He is not participating Often or has a very limited GP Pro Tour schedule. Can he legitimately, maybe not by the Wizards point system, but he can he legitimately be considered the Player of the Year this year in Magic?
0: I don't see why not. I mean, look at what he's accomplished. You know, um, I think that I think that Wizards is going to uh, have to eventually um, acknowledge uh, the SCG Live series as almost like a sub. GP, you know what I mean, are on the same level in terms of relevance, because, you know, the GPs are great, and, you know, Wizards obviously felt the pressure, because now they've doubled their GP uh, schedule. Yes. Um, don't have any, you know, insider information, but I could pretty safely say that the reason why is because of SCG Live. You know, and because of the SCG Open series, Wizards realized that they were missing out on, on a huge market.
1: I will ask you this question. If you answered it on the show, just say you did and we can skip it. It's okay. What do you think about the Pro Tour going closed?
0: I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I like the fact that they're creating a more professional environment for the Pro Tour. And I like the fact that that it's a more exclusive thing. And being able to attend those events means so much more now to, like, the people who qualify. Because it's elite. And that's what it's supposed to be. You know, I I feel that's how it's supposed to be. I mean, they're going to expand the coverage so you'll see more of the matches. And that was desperately needed. And I just think that I think it's a good thing. I think there's nothing bad about it. There are going to be plenty of GPs for people to attend, but the pro tour is reserved for the best of the best, and I think that that's a good system to put in place. I think that there's nothing wrong with that at all.
1: What about people yourself or myself or other people that do podcasts or video like Evan to be able to go there, to be able to interview these guys, to be able to put them out there also? Is that something they should consider doing, or should they just keep it, this is this is our location, this is our tournament, we're putting our people there, if you want stuff, you're going to have to get them another time?
0: I think that having press is very important. I don't think the events should be closed to press. I think closed to the public is acceptable, but I think that they should at least consider allowing press in their events, because... Press is press. You know what I mean? Press is publicity, and that's what they want. They want to to have the publicity, and they should want as much coverage of the event as they can possibly get from as many sources as possible. You know what I mean? It would be like... Um, it'd be like, you know, having a post-game interview, like Buck Showalter, and not allowing any newspapers in. Cause it's like, well, what's the point of doing an interview if, like, only one person's asking questions? You know, I just, I just think that, I think that if they ha-, if they're not considering allowing press, that they strongly should. Uh, because I think that that's very important, uh, to build hype around the Pro Tour and to give people, you know, just more more coverage of the event and just you know more motivation to go to their PCQs and qualify. You know, getting more ang- as many angles. There is no such thing as as too many angles on a story. They should want as many people you know hearing as many sides of that story as they possibly can. Because I don't I don't see any any negative out of that.
1: Well, we are over the actual hour mark now. And I always want to say that as I say it to everybody else, this is just a part one, chapter one of our story and that we will be coming back. Cause obviously within a calendar year from now, things will be radically different. Who knows where you guys might be on your podcast. Well, you'll, you'll be in a, you'll be way into the hundreds by then. You'll yeah. have, you know, who knows what you'll be doing next. And that's kind of the point of this is it's just, I'm taking a chapter and I'm getting people closer to know you so the next time they see you aka Orlando that they can come up to you and say I'm a huge rock fan man you know let's talk this let's talk that
0: <laughs> I can talk wrestling forever yeah. I actually I have I haven't even really been watching TNA yes um but uh we went ahead and me and my buddy Tim ordered TNA Lockdown uh last Sunday and it was incredible I'm going to watch TNA tonight you know, like uh we're gonna be play testing and watching some wrestling, so that's what's up. Uh can I can I just say one thing uh, Absolutely. That, that I think is very important for those of you who actually want to get to know me. Hopefully you put this before Drew Levin so people don't just turn it off. Oh um, <laughs> anyone, do yourselves a favor and I tweeted this earlier today. Do yourselves a favor and download legally an album by Los Campesinos. L-O-S-C-A-M-P-E-S-I-N-O-S. Do it. They are the most amazing band ever, ever, ever. And anyone who disagrees with me, uh, and I know Joey is one of them, but he's wrong. (laughs) And so is anyone else who disagrees with me on that fact. Um, But... Anyway, so that's so that's uh, that's the, the last personal piece of information I really wanted to uh, get out there.
1: How <laughs> how can people get a hold of you if they'd like to actually talk to you, send you messages?
0: You can look me up on Facebook, Bighead Joe, uh, on Facebook, or or I think it's Joe Bighead Joe Panuska. Yes, I do have anus in my last name. Don't give me shit about it. Um, <laughs> uh, on on Twitter, I am O M G. W-T-F-B-H-J-F-T-W, which I don't know what that stands for, but it was a bunch of neat letters that looked cool together. Apparently, somebody, uh, apparently my beard uh, has started its own Twitter account, which I think is really weird. I have no idea who that is, by the way. Your beard,
1: beard, Kibler's Ego, and Medina's (laughs) Ego.
0: My beard started its own podcast, or not its own podcast, that would be funny, though. Uh, That'd be really boring to listen to, it would just be like this. (laughs) <laughs> to just be a bunch of like rubbing against a microphone. But uh my beard started its own Twitter. I don't know who it is. I don't want to know who it is because it's too funny to me. Like uh I just want to leave it. Like I don't I don't ever want to know who it actually is. I don't Why don't
1: you give be- us the link for your ego for your not your ego? It's uh, it's, your beard.
0: I, it's, it's it's BHJ's beard <laughs> on Twitter. Um I will not follow my beard because I'm done following my beard. <laughs> I followed my beard for too long. But my beard follows me just like it's supposed to. Um, although I can say, let me say something, though. One thing that I can claim that my beard can never claim is that I went to grade school with Stacy Keebler. My beard, hey. my beard did not. Because my beard was not a twinkle in my eye back then.
1: And how did uh, you drop the ball on that one?
0: I was, she was four grades ahead of me, man. My cousin Chris had a huge crush on her. Actually, um... We were at Red House Run Elementary uh, hanging out one day, me and my cousin Chris. I was in kindergarten, and he was in fourth grade. And Stacy was there hanging out with her friends. And my cousin had a huge crush on her, went to show off for her on his bike, and totally bailed.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> <So fun. laughs> totally wrecked on his bike trying to show off for Stacy Keebler. But yeah, my beard was not there. And my beard will can never claim that. If there's anything my beard can not claim it's that. So
1: you better watch out because I think your your beard might say it was actually there, but it was there in spirit.
0: No. No, no, no. No. <laughs> no. Beard or no beard, and that's it. My beard is... So, I don't know where my beard is right now. My beard is in a trash dumpster in Easton, Maryland right now. And good riddance. I don't know where he found an internet connection, but that's a lot to <laughs>
1: Well, on that note, this is Robert for the Men of Magic for another hilarious episode of the Men of Magic. And again, we will be talking to you soon.
0: Make sure that you tune into our podcast that we've been talking about today, Yo! MTG Taps. We're every Friday on StarCityGames.com. We are also on MTGCast.com every Friday. If you don't like it, send us an email and let us know. Cool. No problem. Just holler at us.
1: You think you know me,